It's a weird week to be a Chiefs fan, and I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief of the North podcast. I'm your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser. And this is, I feel like we keep having these emergency sessions of the Chief in the North. Um, this is supposed to be the quiet time of the offseason this in June, and I don't think Brett Veach got the memo that this is supposed to be a quiet time. Um, seriously, free agency hasn't even started yet, and in the course of that time, Veach has traded Alex Smith, acquired a stud corner and a, a third-round pick, then DJ got gone, and now Marcus Peters, who I... you there is there are, there are a few players that would have surprised me more than Peters getting traded. Me, like Patrick Mahomes, obviously... And, like, Kareem Hunt. And I think I'm out. Because, honestly, Peters is still on a rookie contract. He's such a great player. He creates turnovers like no one. I mean, we all know this about him. It has just been an unbelievable turn of events. And so I wanted to record to talk about Marcus Peters because this has been kind of a unique situation for me. Normally, I'm the film guy. I'm the guy who uh, just watches tape and kind of looks at things from there. But I've kind of been in a unique situation this particular time in that I've had a few people reach out to me. Um, you know, some some pretty decent... Uh, I'm not going to call them sources because I'm not a reporter, but, you know, things that... People that have told me things in the past that have checked out and... I've just happened to learn a little bit more than maybe I normally do about behind-the-scenes stuff. And I want to talk about what the team might possibly be thinking here and what things might look like heading forward. So, yet again, another special edition of the Chief in the North. This time we're talking all Marcus Peters. First and foremost, um, the, the, the football loss is obviously a significant one. I've talked a bit about Peters um, in several places recently. Um, the reality is he, he created 25 turnovers or turnover opportunities in the last three years, way more than anyone else in the NFL. And a turnover, if you look at points, point potential, like a drive you know, creates potential points, and when you take the ball away from the other team, you're removing potential points. So there's a, there's a swing there, right? Well, a turnover can be worth, depending on where you're out on the field, anywhere from 3.8 potential points, or not just potential points, but points itself, when you look at how often teams score from various field positions. Turnovers are worth 3.8 to 4.25 points. That's based on work that football outsiders did. Um, now, this was back in 2003. Turnovers are actually a little more valuable now because scoring is up a little bit. But I'd urge you to go and just, just Google what is the value of a turnover, football outsiders, and it'll lead you to a really great article where it, it, it it shows you all the numbers there, shows you exactly how they did their research, how they found out what turnovers are worth. And the reality is turnovers are the most valuable non-touchdown play in football. There's turnovers, everything else is beneath them except for touchdowns. And so Marcus Peters, what you have there is a guy who is better at creating the second most valuable play in the game than anyone else. That's a huge deal. And... I think you could kind of sum it up when I, I talked to my 11-year-old son, Tucker, and I told him, you know, the Chiefs traded Marcus Peters. His jaw hit the ground, and he went, why? And I I didn't have an answer for him. I said, I don't know. This it's, it's kind of bizarre. And he sat there shaking his head for about three and a half hours, give or take. It was more like three minutes, but it felt like a long time. Because Tucker 
he plays a little football, he watches football with me, and he can understand intrinsically the value of taking the football away from the other team. There's a lot of value there. And so this becomes a what are the Chiefs thinking thing, and that's what I want to talk about first and foremost. Look, there are a lot of people saying a lot of things about that, because Marcus Peters has become a polarizing figure um, because he kneeled for the national anthem, because he's had some things to say that certain people don't like. i got to tell you, I don't think any of this has anything to do with that. And I'll explain why in a moment here. But I just want to say, you know, if you're rejoicing that, that, that he was released because of that, i got to tell you, the odds that you agree with every single football player on their political opinions are infinitesimally small. Uh, the, the people have a right to an opinion. They've got a right to express their opinion. And I just think, in my opinion, that's a silly reason to dislike a guy. I really do. Uh, so, uh, you know, that is what it is. I don't think that had anything to do with it. And so here's, here's what happened. After Peters was released, I had someone reach out to me who has given me good information in the past um, that I kind of, I didn't necessarily brush this person off in the past, but I do have people send me messages saying, Hey, I heard this. I heard that. I've got a, you know, I've got a friend on the inside. I've got a relative on the inside and blah, 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 blah. And oftentimes it's just yapping. It's just air. However, in some cases and more and more lately, um, in fairly frequent cases, I've had people give me information that a couple weeks later turned out to be just unbelievably prescient and unbelievably true. And so uh, that's kind of what happened to me in this case. I had someone reach out to me who has reached out in the past and given me information weeks in advance of other things that happened. And so when this person reached out to me, um, this was all also someone who wasn't saying, hey, put this on there, blah, blah, blah. It was just, you know, hey, for your own edification, please don't tell anyone um, who I am, any of this, but yeah, you can share this. So that alone lends it to be a little more like, okay, maybe this is legit. And then also, again, when it's someone who shared information that turned out to be good information, okay, fair enough. Um, then especially when that's not the only person that reaches out, when you have several people tell you the same thing, that matters. So based on that, and again, look, I'm not Joe Reporter, okay? I have no way of vetting sources. I'm not from the Kansas City area. I can't tell you with 100% certainty whether the things I hear are true or not true, okay? I'm not, and no disrespect if you listen, I'm not Chief's Insider. I'm not ca- you know, claiming some kind of special relationship with a bunch of people on the inside. That's not who I am. That'll never be who I am. I'm not interested in being a reporter. But this is, a, again, a unique situation. So I'm going to tell you guys, because a lot of you are desperate for answers. I'm going to tell you what I know, well, what I think I know based on what I've heard. So this is my understanding. My understanding of what happened based on what has now been a number of conversations with people who I think would know. Again, I'm not saying this is fact, but with people that I think would know was that the situation with Marcus Peters and the coaching staff was becoming untenable. Now, I'm not saying that's a blame thing for Marcus Peters, because part of the time, I think it's on the coaching staff to make difficult relationships work. You're a coach. You get paid a lot of money to work with difficult personalities. That's what Andy Reid is known for, right? So keep that in mind. Um, some of you may have listened. Bill Moss gave an, a, a, an interview on, on 610, I believe it was, that might be worth taking a quick listen to. I think it was on The Drive with, with Harrison, um, with Carrington Harrison. I think that's where it was. It might be worth taking a listen to because he's, it was interesting. The things that he said echoed the things that I had heard, which was really interesting to me. Um, my understanding was that there were a number of things that went on behind closed doors that people don't know about 
that made things difficult. With regards to attitude, with regards to disrespect, uh, I'm not saying, that now please hear me, I'm not saying I think Marcus Peters is a bad guy. I don't. He seems like a pretty decent guy, if you ask me. Uh, he seems like he's involved in charity a little bit. He really helps out his hometown. He tried to help out in Kansas City. I think he's a decent guy all the way around. I think he's also a very smart guy, and I also think he's a guy that knows he's smart. And it's that last part that can give people problems sometimes. When you have people that are smart and know they're smart, those can be difficult individuals to coach, especially if they think they know better than the coaches. Is that what happened with Marcus Peters for sure? I don't know. Again, I'm just talking about what I think I know. Right? This is what I've been told. There were situations behind closed doors that people didn't see that kept... It it, it prevented the relationship from being what it could. Um, And the, the Chiefs, from what I'm hearing, the Chiefs tried... To some various mechanisms to try to to develop a relationship, to try to keep things a certain way, and for one reason or another, it wasn't working out. And you know, at the end of the day, I remember I had some fans say, you know, you know, if it's that, that Peters had a problem with Bob Sutton, which is something I've heard more than once, is that he had a real problem with Sutton and Sutton's defense. There are a lot of Chiefs fans that would say, "Hey, so do I." So I'm not saying he's necessarily wrong. This is not a right or wrong thing. This is what I think the team's reasoning was. Okay, so here's so here's where you're at. You have a relationship that becomes strained. You have a player that does not necessarily respect his coaches and more and more starts to show it. One conversation that I did have was someone who has worked with coaches from Washington at the time Peters was there. And it's interesting how similar the story sounds. Um, this person reached out to me and was willing to, to talk to me just a little bit about a conversation regarding what happened there and, and the, what the people from Washington said. And obviously, it's going to be their side of things, right? But when something happens twice in a row, it's worth saying, okay, that's interesting. What, what, what their version was, the Washington coach's version, not the head coach, okay, I'm not saying that, but what this person that was involved in the situation, their version was that... Marcus Peters became uncoachable eventually. Um, got to the point where he was getting upset almost daily in practice and arguing and yelling and that kind of thing in just a way that made him completely uncoachable in Washington's eyes. Now, whether Washington was correct or not, who knows? Obviously, Peters has gone on to have a very good pro career so far. He's clearly a guy who pays attention in the film room. He's clearly a guy who does the little things to be successful because he has improved as a coverage corner every year. And the way that he plays, the routes that he jumps, it's not just God-given talent. It's a ton of work that goes into being able to play like that. And you can see it. But again, that was what I've been told with what happened at Washington was a matter of strained relationships with the coaches, tons of arguing, and made it difficult all the way around. My understanding is that's what it looked like in Kansas City as well. Now, not all the time, but when you have someone who thinks they know better, they're going to let you know it. And that is the situation, is my understanding. The other thing that I was told, and this is what resulted in a million retweets and a million people in my mentions that were very upset with me, and then some people that thought it was great, and now there are some people that think I'm like news reporter guy, and it's horrible, and I wish I'd never done it, but I'm going to continue it. I had someone reach out and say that Peters had made noise about wanting to be traded as well. Now again, um, I also heard from another person, I don't think that's accurate. So... 
both of those people agreed that he'd become a an issue with the coaches, not necessarily with the other players. The other players, I think, like Marcus Peters and respect him. Maybe not all of them, but I think a lot of them do. Um, but the situation with the coaches was untenable. Both, you know, well, not just both, multiple people that I've talked to agree on that. The Whether or not he demanded a trade, I've had a few people say that, yes, that's what's happened. I've had a few people say no. I have no idea which is true. No idea. And I don't think we're ever going to know for certain. Okay? But I personally don't think a player demanding a trade means you have to trade them. Right? You, you, can't, you can't cave to those kinds of demands. However, it seems like, at least towards the end there, the Chiefs have been planning this for a while. And given the fact, when you look at what's happened, Andy Reid suspended him. Andy Reid has done that, I think, one other time throughout his coaching career. He's a guy that knows how to deal with difficult personalities. And for some reason, Marcus Peters crossed a line that only one other player throughout the history of Andy Reid's time as a coach. And again, this is my understanding. Maybe there's more than one. I only know of one where Andy Reid actively suspended the guy on his own. Um, That Andy Reid thought that this was so untenable, I have to suspend him. And that tells me something. And again, I'm sure Marcus Peters has his own version of this. If Marcus Peters ever hears this, I would. he doesn't care what I think. But I would say that I think he's a great player. But obviously something had to have gone on here. So, you know, that's that's where it seems like it's at. You look at, it, this wasn't an anthem issue. It wasn't, a, he wasn't a good issue because he's a great, great, great player. This was a, not just we don't think he's going to stick around issue. Because as many people have rightly pointed out, if you just thought he wasn't going to stick around, then you keep him for a couple more years. Um, because they had his rights for a few years for cheap. This was a, you knew he wasn't going to stick around. He actively wanted out and... His attitude regarding listening to coaches was continually deteriorating. When you combine all of those things, that is why I think the Chiefs chose to trade Marcus Peters. I'm going to keep talking about that and then move on to what life after Marcus Peters looks like, what the return might look like, because that's been this whole other thing. But we're going to take a very quick break here first. And uh, yeah, then we'll just keep venting about Marcus Peters right after that. So we'll be right back. All right, we're talking Marcus Peters. I just went through some of the things that I heard. Like I said, I've been in a unique position this one time. Now, please hear me. I am not breaking news guy. I will never be breaking news guy. This has been pretty much a one-time thing, I'm assuming, to where I happen to hear a thing or two. And the reality is this wasn't just a one-issue thing. So when someone says, well, they shouldn't have traded him just because he asked for a trade. They shouldn't have traded him just because he was unhappy. They shouldn't have traded him just because uh, he wasn't coming back. I think it was a combination. You know he's not coming back. The relationship with the coaches is deteriorated. And it was starting to affect what he did on the field. Now, he really pulled it together after the suspension, to be sure. However, clearly, there was... Something that happened that was so bad he had to get suspended. And given that they've traded him now, and let's be real, we know Andy Reid has some control over the roster, um, maybe even a lot more than we think. The fact that he's been traded tells me that Andy Reid doesn't believe that that one-game suspension was going to do the job. That he didn't think that it was a tenable situation to continue moving forward. Um, Because obviously you do not get rid of a Marcus Peters for just on-the-field reasons. You just don't. He's too great a player. So... I understand why people are angry. I really do. I'm angry. I wish the coaches had made this work. I wish they'd figured something out. But based on everything I have heard, 
they te- the team legitimately thought this was their best option. And I guess, you know what? Okay, fair enough. If that's what you thought, that's what you thought. And it does relieve me to at least know that they didn't make the decision just because they didn't think he was coming back. That they made the decision because of his current relationship with the coaching staff. Do I wish the Chiefs had gotten rid of Bob Sutton? Yes, I do. Um, However, do I think Andy Reid is a guy I trust to make a decision regarding whether a player should stay on the roster for this specific purpose? You know what? I think I do. I think I trust him with that. Now, here's the thing, though. You know, as we look at things moving forward, you know, we've moved past the little news tidbits. Let's talk about moving forward. Andy Reid and Brett Veach have now, they had a bunch of built, goodwill built up, right? Well, not entirely Andy Reid. Some fans are still pretty mad at him. But Brett Veach, after the Alex Smith trade, after getting Ragland, after getting Butker, after doing a pretty good job in season, and again, that steal of a deal for Alex Smith, people were feeling pretty good about him. Now everyone's like, what are you thinking? Especially because they don't know the return. So now the pressure's on. The Chiefs had a bad defense last year. And here's where it becomes not unfair, but a little unfair. If the Chiefs' defense is bad again this year, right or wrong, people are going to point to Marcus Peters being gone as the reason. And that's a lot of pressure on you if you're Brett Veach. That is a big, big deal. Because now it's like, hey, look what you did. You ruined this team. Never mind, again, the defense was bad this last season. Now, Marcus Peters and Justin Houston were the two of the players, besides Chris Jones, and then later on Reggie Ragland, that kept things from completely falling apart. Make no mistake, the defense would have been worse without Marcus Peters. But... It's worth noting that it was bad with Marcus Peters, too. So it'll be funny if they're bad next year and people automatically blame Peters. It'll be kind of one of those, well, I don't know if that's the real reason. But they need to show a marked improvement in pass defense ability this year, or they are going to get torched for this. So they have created a whole new set of expectations here. Because now they've got people talking about, well, maybe they're in for a rebuild. Maybe they're kind of this, that, and the other thing. And it's fans that were very excited about Mahomes, despite the way the playoff loss had gone down, are kind of back to feeling like, hey, what the crap? And that's not where you want fans to be. So they've created a whole new set of expectations to where you better make this work. Um, You know, I personally think that if Veach continues to address the corner situation, if they're, I don't think they're done there. Maybe they are, but I don't think they are. Um... They, then you could see a lot of that anger get mitigated if they still do well next season against the pass. Or not even well, just significantly better. A small improvement won't be enough. A big improvement's going to be needed. Ah, I needed my quick drink of water there because this is stressful stuff to talk about. So, now, moving forward, what does it look like? First of all, the return. I have no idea, guys. I wish I knew. Seriously, I cannot believe this has not been leaked yet. I'm recording on Sunday afternoon. I figured this would be out by Friday night. Um, I stayed up until 1 in the morning waiting for Therese or Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, someone to drop the news. I don't think anyone's going to find out. This is crazy. We might not find out till, till March 14th. Um, I don't know what the return is. I've heard a thing. I've heard things here and there. Um, Rappaport said a few things. I don't think anyone knows right now. I think they were still in the active negotiation phase to an extent when things went dark. And so I, anyone who tells me they know until it becomes a confirmed thing by Therese or Schefter, I'm going to say, yeah, I don't know. Um, what would I expect? 
I would expect a good haul for Marcus Peters, but here's the problem. Their backs were to the wall, and I it, it's hard for me not to feel like the Rams knew that. The Chiefs clearly thought they had to trade Marcus Peters, and that is not a place to be from a bargaining standpoint. It also sounds like the interest was only with the Niners and the Rams. It doesn't look like there was a, uh, a bidding war. And, I mean, between two teams is great. If you had three or four teams, that's way better. And on a quick side note, NFL general managers and coaches know more about what's going on behind closed doors than we do. And the fact that there were 29 teams in the NFL that apparently were not at all interested in a an all-pro corner on a rookie contract tells me a little more about behind-the-scenes stuff, about what might have been going on there. Um, the fact you know, the fact that, that Coach McVay at the that the 101 Awards felt the need to talk about the strong you know you know atmosphere they've got in their locker room that tells me something, and that's another reason that makes me think okay it was a relationship issue they didn't think it was tenable okay fine, but so with all that in mind I don't think it's going to be as good a return as we're hoping now hey if they do great you know um, you know Quinn's name was dropped. Robert Quinn's name was dropped early on, but they were saying, no, now we think it's just for picks. I have no idea what it'll be for. We know the Rams don't have a second-round pick this year, so that's a little concerning. I just don't know what to expect. Anything less than at least one first-rounder, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed for sure, unless it's like, you know, three second-rounders. Excuse me. <laughs> Except it's like three second rounders and three third rounders or something. I don't think it's going to be a haul like that. I think they had to, I think they had to sell a little bit low on Marcus Peters. And so I'm disappointed by that. If that's how it goes down, I'm hoping I'm trying to be pessimistic to where I could be pleasantly surprised. (laughs) So, but where do they go from here on the field? Um, my next film review project is going to be to take a look at that second Oakland Raiders game, which of course is when Peters was suspended. And there was a lot of fear heading into that game because the defense had been so bad and, you know, they had just come out of the Jets game where they had just gotten torched through the air. And so we kind of figured, because Derek Carr, if you'll recall, threw for 400-plus yards and three touchdowns on the Chiefs in their first meeting. And so we kind of, we were all afraid. And then what happened, the pass defense came out and played one of its best games of the year, to everyone's surprise. And that's when some of the Marcus Peters detractors' voices did get a little bit louder because the the defense played very, very well without him. In fact, that second Raiders game might have been their best defensive performance of the year. And so I would just say this to people that are very, very upset. I totally get why you're upset. I cannot blame you one bit. But I would say that if you're going to argue that the Chiefs are doomed to have a bad defense without Marcus Peters... I can't say I can agree with that based on all the evidence I have. It's just one game, but they've shown that with the pass rush doing a little bit more, with other guys coming in and playing aggressively, they were able to do well, and that was with a secondary that was worse than the one they have now, if you remove Marcus Peters. Because you've got to remember, this was like, you know, Revis and Nelson and, you know, didn't have Amerson, didn't have Fuller, okay? So you've got, and then obviously Eric Berry coming back from injury. So it was a worse, it was a worse group overall, but they did one of their best games of the year without him. So I don't think we're doomed, but obviously it's a lot, lot harder. My hope 
is that right now they've got a group that consists of Fuller, Amerson, and Steven Nelson. And if they bring back, you know, you know, Terrence Mitchell, that's not a group I'm comfortable with. It's a group that's shallow, in my opinion, unless Amerson and Nelson both have career years um, or ha- or match their highest productivity. Then, yeah, sure, if Amerson and Fuller, or if Amerson and Nelson play as good as they've ever played, and Fuller plays as well as he played in Washington, yeah, then you've got a real good cor- cor- corner group, but. I don't want to count on that. So what I'm hoping is is that they'll look in free agency and they'll they'll see some of the guys who are available and there's some talented corners in free agency and they'll snag one of them to try to keep it from being a massive step backwards to where as a whole the group could still be better. Again, Marcus Peters, you're not going to find anyone as good as him. They could sign Tremaine Johnson and it would still be a step back. Um, that's just how it is. But if they sign another guy who can play at a solid level, it will still be a stronger overall group than they had last season, if that makes sense. Um, then also, if they can, if they address the rest of the defense, especially with regards to pass rush, that should help mitigate things. And they're going to need to do that. They're going to need to play more aggressively. And that's just how it works. They're going to need to be less reliant on turnovers because they no longer have the best turnover creator in the NFL. So, moving forward, like I said, my plan is to look at what they did against the Raiders, why they were able to play as well as they did, what they did in coverage, whether they were pressing, whether they were man, whether they were in zone, kind of to take a look at, okay, what does life without Marcus Peters look like, at least for that one game? And hopefully that gives us a little bit of wisdom. So I'm looking forward to doing that. In the meantime, we're just going to have to push forward and hope that we hear something about what went down a little bit more than just the whispers and rumors that I've shared today. Because again, that's what they are. They're whispers and rumors. I have no idea how many of them are true. I think I think a lot of them are, but I have no way of knowing it. So, you know, I, it's a tough week right now. It's a tough week to be a Chiefs fan because anytime you lose a player like that, it's rough. I can just hope that they are able to move forward regardless and play as well next year as they did in that one game without him last year. And so I hope some of the things that I've shared have been able to at least have you wrap your head around things a little bit more. Um, Again, can't say they're 100%, you know, I can't guarantee the accuracy of them, but I can say that I've talked to people who have been accurate in the past in a way that kind of freaked me out. And these are the things that they've told me. So I hope it explains the team reasoning a little bit more. Agree with it or disagree with it. I'm not saying the team was right to do what they did, to pull the pull the parachute cord. But I do think it was more reasoned than I initially thought before hearing the things that I've heard. So if that's even just a slight comfort for you, well, then I feel like I've done my job. You know... This is going to be an interesting year. I just, Brett Veach has made more like holy crap moves in just a few months than we're used to seeing in a whole offseason. And frankly, I don't think he's done yet. I think we are in a new era of wildly aggressive and decisive free agency. If I would just say one more thing about Brett Veach before I sign off here. The fact is, he clearly, you know, and I scoffed at it at the time when people talked about the Emerson trade, but or not the Emerson trade, but the Emerson signing. Clearly, by by specifically calling out for Fuller during the trade, and then by signing Emerson, Veach clearly is operating with a plan in mind, and that makes me feel just the slightest bit better, knowing that there's no way he's done yet with how much they blame talent levels on the defense. 
I think they're going to continue to address it moving forward. And again, when we look at the one game the Chiefs played without Peters last year, it gives you at least a sliver of hope that they still can play solid defense, even losing their best corner. So hopefully that's the way it goes down. In the meantime, I'm just hoping that someone will leak the compensation because, boy, that would be great. I appreciate you guys listening as always. I know it's a rough time, and I just hope that it gets better from here. This has been the Chief in the North, the land of 10,000 takes. This has been Minnesota Chiefs fan. Always a pleasure to share Chiefs with you guys. Make sure to subscribe and rate and review and all that fun stuff. I appreciate it. It makes a difference. Thanks for talking, Chiefs, guys. I'll talk to you next time.